pseudo-academic roundtable of pop culture analysis with drinking and I guess this week knitting. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, my name is Christopher Maverick and I am once again here with my co-host Katia and Hannah. How's it going guys? Yeah, it's good. I get to knit during it on air. So like, that's great. Yeah. Cause that's <laughs> what this show's all about is knitting. And again, and politics and also white supremacy, because apparently we have a news story where all those things go together <laughs> because the world is weird. It's, it's stranger than stranger things. Oh. I mean, it's actually not that strange, but we'll get into that in a second. No, no, it's not. It's not. I just wanted to make a stranger things reference. I mean, I appreciate that. Topical. And, and you can now tell when we're recording. We're topical <laughs> now. That's right. <laughs> Hello, young people. <laughs> um, Listen to our thoughts about knitting. Uh, so this is another one of those topics where not my forty. Even though I was the one who wanted to do this ep- this episode, to be we'll fair, talk about I why was actually when you messaged, I was researching it and trying to figure out how to convince you guys to make this an episode. Ooh. Yeah, so because um, we'll I saw this like as soon as it broke. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm not a knitter, and Hannah, you're not a knitter either, uh, right? Right, not really. I did. I, I, I did like three times. Mostly with Katya's instruction. You got me beat by two. I've I've done it once. (laughs) A stupid amount of sweaters in my life, and socks, and other things. I've been knitting since I was ten years old. So, as the resident crafter of Mm -hmm. uh, Vox Popcast, let me. We'll do the rundown. Okay. So, those of you who have read the website kind of already know what we're talking about. So, on June twenty third, a website called Ravelry issued a ban of white supremacy and specifically uh, like explicit support of Donald Trump. So Ravelry is a members only like knitting site um, where basically there's a pattern marketplace. There's a forum. You can save like information about your projects. Um, there's links to like go buy particular kinds of yarns to yarn up to like both like brick and mortar retailers and online retailers. And it's been open for let me pull my date here. It's been open for a long time. It's all it's actually older, I think, than Instagram and t- about the same age as Twitter. Like it's been around, it's been around a minute. Um, so it's like the center of like the online knitting world, uh, which is a thing. And I was gonna say, like it's also 2007. Yeah, May 2007. 2007. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's got like eight million members or something like that globally. Uh, and it was also, at least to my knowledge, the first like. There's a lot of websites like this now for like different crafts. As far as I know, Ravelry was, if not the first of any craft to do this, they were the first like really big one. Um, And I think they're still one of the largest, but anyway, so they issued this ban and it is important to know that they are not the first person, the first forum to use, to uh, have this, this specific ban. Um, They actually used the, their ban, the word, the lot of the wording of it comes from 
uh, I believe it's RPG.net. And I don't even think RPG, like there's, there's like, they're not the first forum either. Um, there's lots of subreddits that have similar like policies. Um, so they're definitely not unique. I think it basically like hit, hit the, the national news scene. Um, because the idea of like, cause most people in their minds, like knitters are little old ladies, the idea of like little old ladies banning white supremacists, um, was adorable. And I think like, I think part of it is also like, this is something that's been in the news with things like Twitter and Facebook um, and other big social media sites. And basically there's lots of memes going around like, lucky knitting ladies do what, uh, you know, Facebook and all these social media giants are afraid of, uh, which I think like has some truth to it, but also Ravelry is a little bit different from like a Facebook or a Twitter. But mm-hmm. anyway, um, I mentioned in the, blo- in the blog post that a lot of the national news stories don't really like they basically say like this came out of nowhere and like no one really knows why. So no one knows why, because it all happened on Ravelry, which you cannot access without an account mm-hmm. or it happened on like Instagram, which is also Instagram is another like really important like crafting society hub um, mm-hmm. in accounts which may or may not be private or people's stories that are only available for a limited amount of time. And like, I'm pretty like on the crafting net. And even mm-hmm. I had a problem like reconstructing a lot of what had happened. So if I misspeak or like miss something critical, like I'm sorry, um, sound off in the comments. Uh, but my understanding is basically there's been, and this is something I've been following and maybe we'll do a future show on, um, 2019 in particular, there's been a lot of conversations in the knitting community and the sewing community about colorism, whitewashing, uh, racism, both like active and passive racism. Um, and just basically how people who aren't like straight white, you know, women, um, are constantly being left out or like actually attacked. Um, and I actually, just before we started this episode, got a notification on my Instagram that apparently a woman of color was actually physically attacked at a yarn store today. Mm-hmm. Um, pending confirmation. So we'll make sure we get our guest, our guest in here too. Oh yeah. Right. Well, when this happened, I mean, obviously I, as I said, I'm not a knitter. I, I have knitted once. So, <laughs> um, not by myself, not by myself, did not know what I was doing. Had a lot of help. Um, but also, I do my best to read the entire internet because I'm weird and a nerd and this is what I do with my life. But um, when this happened, obviously, I didn't know much, but I was just reading about it and going, oh, my God, I don't know how. Katia, help. We're doing a show on this. And that was immediately it. Um, and so we made the post and we picked a listener to join us. Someone who's been on the show before. I want to welcome back a friend of mine from college, Amy. How's it going, Amy? It's going good. I'm working on a stock here. So <laughs> and I are having a little bit of a stitching bitch. Yeah. I'm, which, yeah, we can talk about what a stitching bitch is. Yeah. I'm actually working on a sweater as we speak. Mm-hmm. So this, I think, I think this show is going to be uh, um, interesting because other than just following it, because I find it fascinating. And I think Hannah, you'd probably say the same thing. I don't know a lot of the, in, uh, of the inside stuff, whereas the two of you probably know way more. So hopefully you'll educate us while you educate the audience. I, I think that's kind of the kind of the plan. Yeah. So I could talk about what I know. And then Amy, if you have stuff to add, like, please jump in. Cause sure. I've been basically, I'm not, uh, I'm not a person who uses the Ravelry forums a lot. I'm mostly on Instagram for like crafty stuff. Um, so I, yeah, I've had to reconstruct this a lot. 
uh, in retrospect, so I didn't experience it in real time. But basically, oh, and also just a uh, public service announcement. Um, I'm not going to use handles of anyone, either the Ravelry handle or their Instagram username, because... Um, and we'll get into why in a second, but basically people are getting um, brigaded on, is that what it is? Brigading on Instagram um, and getting harassed. So unless I had explicit permission from somebody, um, I'm not using usernames. Um, so that's just a thing. Yeah. But basically what happened is there's been, as I was saying, like a growing conversation about race and inclusivity in the crafting community, gen- like multiple different communities. It's happening in the sewing community, the knitting community. And like, I imagine other places, those are just like where I kind of know it. And it's basically been because black, indigenous, queer, um, disabled, what have you folk uh, have been speaking out about their experience of the crafting world. And it's not been great. Um, and basically that's been kind of building a certain amount of tension throughout this year. And then from what I understand, and I'm not going to say who it was specifically, um, but a user on Ravelry was doxxed by a white supremacist group. And for us- for listeners who might not know what that means, it's basically um, this group used Ravelry to collect personal information about this person, including their home address, their real name, um, their phone number, and basically they were harassing them. Um, and it also set up a chain of over the past like few weeks of presumably these same sort of like internet trolls going and doing... I, this is actually a new term to me, so um, but it's it's brigading on Instagram, which basically means that a group tries to submit as many like basically uh, red flags on a social media site. So in this case, Instagram to mm-hmm. specifically to get an account banned. Mm-hmm. And so this person was banned on on Instagram, and then subsequently, people who were speaking out about this uh, on Instagram or other venues have also been like subjected to the same thing, which results in Instagram violating uh, or banning their accounts. Um, There's at least three that I know of that this has happened to. There may be more. Um, The most recent one was a uh, specifically, she's asked not to have her information shared, but uh, is a uh, Muslim woman Mm -hmm. active on Ravelry. So like, this is an ongoing thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know, Amy, if you have anything to add, that's basically the extent to which I understand it. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm not on Instagram and and it seems like when I see threads um on the forums on Ravelry, it tends to have started on Instagram and then kind of discussions move over onto Ravelry. Yeah. No, uh, I think I think that's right. But yeah, I, I I don't I don't personally know of of any beyond what you said. Yeah. And which I think makes this kind of like an interesting story because like there isn't a lot of public information about this. It's very much happening in the knitting community. Um, and then I think it's also, I mean, as one has, would expect, there's been a lot of blowback specifically from mostly straight white folks judging Mm -hmm. by their online media presence. Um, although not entirely actually, which is worth stating, basically complaining that Ravelry, this knitting site is politicizing knitting. Um, Mm -hmm. and Mav, you actually were, we, we had a comment on the website that I think is the best kind of explanation of 
why like this ban yeah happened yeah well it wasn't actually on the website and and again i'm gonna not i don't have the person's name to say say specifically it was on um private reshare wayne's private reshare of our posts sometimes we'll do that on our own on our own facebook or social media in order to get more comments so i'm not going to read the person's name but i will read what they said um and it was um I agree that people are missing most of the story and and most of the reporting on this issue. I can't set aside my queerness from my knitting because I sometimes knit things for people, including my fiance. I have known um, POC knitters who do not model their own works in their pictures because they just didn't want to deal with potential issues. I'm proud of Ravelry for making a choice and sticking with it. Politics is only inescapable for people who check all the right boxes to hold every kind of privilege nothing is apolitical and yeah i agree with that <laughs> nothing is and not only do i th- do i agree that nothing is apolitical i think that and again you you are a member of the site so as i understand ravelry you know the common way of thinking about it is well this is this is a social network it's facebook mm-hmm. for knitting and yeah i mean that's kind of true and there are there are a lot of social networks that are devoted to one topic or another um for instance as, as a photographer i've always been a part of one called model mayhem which is mm-hmm. a social network for connecting people who model to people who take photos and makeup artists and costumers and things like that so in a, in respect yes it is a social network for knitting but it's also the world's largest knitting circle like that's kind of why it probably worked in the first place right and to have the idea that a knitting circle and we can talk about the history of that a little bit is apolitical oh, is really? kind of stupid that's not <laughs> that's not that's not what they are it's a knitting circles book clubs all social circles particularly ones traditionally based around women not uh, but also ones ones traditionally based around men you know social circles traditionally throughout the ages have always been here's where a group of people um, meet in a private sphere to talk about the news of the day often politics that's that's what it's you know it's the same thing as it's it's apolitical in the same way that hanging out at a a sports bar is apolitical no it's not you know you sit there and you you bitch about herbert hoover or whoever you you know whatever (laughs) whenever you're whatever history time you're there it's not a it's not a apolitical thing you bitch about king you know and like amy and i both mentioned we're knitting while we're doing this podcast um because like and i think i mentioned this in the post but like there's a term called that people may even like non-crafters may have heard of called a stitching bitch. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know if it's its earliest usage, but it originally was like popularized, at least in the United States um, during the 1940s, specifically to talk about um, women getting together to knit things for the war effort. Um, A lot of like a lot of like soldiers were wearing hand knit socks um, in both world war one and world war two. And those were made by women back, uh, back home Um, and children and other things. Um, and actually there's a lot of pictures of soldiers, uh, knitting. Cause that like, if you were a, uh, if you were hospitalized, a lot of times soldiers to keep them busy and like not bored, they would like have them knit socks. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's, there's a lot of pictures of like, and then a lot of them actually keep doing it. So there was actually for a while on Ravelry, like, mm-hmm. uh, I believe a group of soldiers that had like learned, like, like obviously quite old, but, um, soldiers that had learned former soldiers who had learned how to knit, um, during wartime and a really great picture of a pink AK 47 cozy, <laughs> um, knit by a soldier male, uh, in Iraq, uh, which was interesting. And he released the pattern for it. I AK-47 believe cozy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like you can keep your AK forty seven toasty because that's like a, a thing. tea kettle cozy. It's like done cozy, needs, I guess. Yeah, it's a done cozy. I, I mean, mean, it's I think it was made 
mainly for whimsy purposes, I'm assuming, as many cozies are. There's also a lot of, like, R and X-rated things that show up on Ravelry, or at least used to. I actually don't know if they still are, Um, which was very great for, like, 12-year-old Katya. It was like, what is this? no, I think Mav, I mean, one of, the, one of the things I want to talk about is like anytime, I mean, this has come up on the show multiple times. Anytime you have a gathering of humans mm-hmm. talking about anything that has an ideological impact and an idea, like ideological components, whether or not you are actually talking about politics. I mean, because I think part of what this conversation in the crafting world has been about is the fact that when you go on um, any given knitting site, sewing site, whatever, by and large, most of the people you see making these things are white, um, female, and like implicitly straight frequently. Um, and a lot of the like, and like the actual population of crafters in a lot of ways, like white, white straight women are massively overrepresented. Um, and that excludes, like that like deters a lot of people from actually per- like participating in the craft. Well, maybe we should talk about what we mean when we say apolitical. And in right. the, it's sort of weird because in the general sense, I think when most people say they want this space to be apolitical, what they're yeah. actually saying is we, I want this space to not offend me politically, yeah. which is a slightly different thing. It's not what anybody says, but I've heard, I'm going to not use Ravelry, for instance. I'm going to use Facebook when it first happened. And um, actually, Facebook and also uh, Twitter and Apple, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. About, I guess it's been three years now since all three of those company companies eventually said, all right, we're going to start cracking down on this whole Confederate flag thing. And people right. got mad because... Well, we, you know, this is supposed to be an apolitical space. Why can't I do the Confederate flag? And it's like having the Confederate flag is a political statement. statement. You don't mean for it to be apolitical. You mean for it to not. And this is I mean, and that's a fair criticism. I'm not even going to be anti-Confederate flag here, even though I am. It's a fair criticism to say I want to be able to have my political message, but to to claim that your that your message is apolitical. Um, one of the things that I think made Ravelry's incident just now hit the national news is not that they decided to make a statement against you know if Ravelry made a statement against white supremacy, probably no one would have blinked. I, I honestly I don't right. think in the national media it they said Donald Trump. You're right. They said white supremacy, Donald Trump, and Matt hats that's what they said and the second you say donald trump who for better or for worse mostly worse is president of the united states of america right now and um i'm sorry just mostly worse just for worse okay i'm 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 fine with that i I love that we can uh, yeah i mean at this point if anyone who doesn't know our political leading at this point is like not listening yeah well yeah sure but uh, it's it's great having your own show and you can just do that and it's like i don't have to pretend to be uh, yeah anyway um the um but yes Trump is currently president and his supporters do like things that say MAGA on them. So, you know, wonderful for them. But to make a statement that you cannot on our website support the sitting president, you know, actively support the sitting president of the United States. That's a pretty big deal. I mean, yeah, no, no, very consistent. If you say no white supremacy, because Donald Trump is a white supremacist. Absolutely. But, but, but making that distinction between saying, because if you, if you listen to most, I mean, we just said, you know, we can talk about our political leanings on our show because it's our show and, you know, we just don't care. But if you watch, (laughs) but if you watch, if you watch CNN, if you watch CNN, which is trying to be the news and they're trying to be apolitical, you'll see people say, 
I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know if he's a racist, but he uses a lot of coded language that appeals to the racist. I'm just going to flat out <laughs> is, say Donald yeah. Trump's racist because, again, if you, if you use that kind of language, that <laughs> makes you a racist. What, and it's like also like important mm-hmm. whether you intend to or not. Yes. So, so that's is, the issue. They're not taking, I mean, that's the issue by, by specifically naming him and by specifically, um, naming his, um, his paraphernalia accessories. I don't know what you want right. to call MAGA stuff. By well, saying that you're, you're explicitly taking a stance against the political ideology. You're saying yes, to support the current president is to be a white supremacist. That's the statement they're making. This is where I think it's actually important to look at Ravelry's terms of like terms of service, because they said that this is an extension of their, uh, standard hate speech, uh, policy that they've had in effect for years, um, which I like, I agree specifically because it includes one specific sentence, but I'll read the short thing in its entirety. So it says that what is prohibited speech is hate speech and hateful imagery, words, phrases, or images. This is the important part deemed by Ravelry's owners to express either deliberately or unknowingly hateful or contempt, hate or contempt towards a group of people based on ethnic, cultural, religious, sexual identity, gender, socioeconomic class, uh, or reference to physical or mental health and is not allowed. Mm-hmm. And the important clause to be here is deemed by Ravelry's owners. Right. Because if you look at, and I was like looking at a lot of, I mean, when you see, look at the terms of service for a lot of places like Facebook and things like that, it's like legally super long. <laughs> um, but most of them, I'm actually assuming for legal reasons, do are not that explicit about saying like deemed by the moderators of Facebook. Like, yeah. just, the, like, the term you know, you're usually use is general community standards. That's what that's what you'll usually say. Because right. It's, so this it's one a nebulous I, um, thing based on uh, Ohio versus I can't remember. I can't remember the name. It's based on the porn case um, that went before the Supreme Court, which is to say, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, it's in my. No, you're talking about. It's, though, in my, but... it's literally in my dissertation, but basically, oh, the Supreme Court is. found that like. You know, can I define pornography? No, but I know it when I see it. So, and you know it when you see right. it by community standards. And it's the legal, and people try to, uh, Hannah, if Joshua around, he might know off the top of his head, but they try to sort of base their community standards around that because it means you don't have to take a, you don't have to take a stance on this is what pornography is or anything okay, else. Right. It's, 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 uh, it's Jaco Bellis versus Ohio. Yeah, yeah, versus right. Ohio. Um, and it's also more like, Social, like for a company the size of Twitter or Facebook, it's like it makes it more like I don't say inclusive because it's not really, but like, yeah, you're not making it a public political stance, so you can't be challenged on it. Right. Um, whereas here, it's explicitly saying like Ravelry. I mean, what they're basically saying is like, no, we this is entirely Ravelry's owners' politics are going to influence what it, what is and isn't on here. So, like, if you actually look at their, uh, and I think actually I didn't go through the entire. Uh, uh, terms of service actually uh but i like their their language is pretty consistent from what i did look at so it's like there's there's not really that many appeals to community standards except for as the owners of ravelry perceives them so like the idea that ravelry is politicizing knitting or whatever it's like well they've always framed their terms of service specifically around their perspective mm-hmm. um and this also happened in a week uh where they're, they like they have for several years put a rainbow flag up for pride. Um, specifically, I think actually one of our commenters noted it, which I didn't know actually it was specifically the week um, commemorating Stonewall. Stonewall, yes, right. And there are, I mean, this is one of the things that I think uh, 
why people are kind of like a lot of people on the more conservative end of things are a little, are turned off by Ravelry's decision is there are a lot of like lib like explicitly liberal um or, or like other alternative third party political patterns and projects on Ravelry. So there's like the pussy hat thing, which we have pictures of, um, which is explicitly like basically anti Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of pride LGBTQ stuff. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if there's a lot of like Black Panther, Black Power stuff, mm-hmm. um, mainly because Wakanda. <laughs> Marvel, everything else. I do know. That, um, I do know. I don't know enough about Ravelry to know exactly what's there, but I do know that during the last year when Black Panther really hit, I do know for a fact there was an uptick on on um, Wakandan inspired garb. Right. And yeah, so it's like they, they've they never been in a political space. And I've been on there since like I remember getting on like the beta list. Um, so you can follow me at just that nerd kid on Ravelry. Um, <laughs> it says I've only been on there since 2012, but that's because I had a different account before and I wanted to change my username before they allowed that. So, uh, yeah, I mean. I don't know. This entire thing is like to me simultaneously baffling on the level of like, this is a knitting website. <laughs> um, but also not surprising to me at all because crafting circles are notorious, especially at least I'm speaking, especially from like the perspective of a straight white girl in the United States, but are super whitewashed. Um, yeah. Like I, I, like I don't even know what else to say about that other than like, this is a thing that that um, black indigenous queer folks have been bringing attention to in this community for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like come to a head in the last couple of months. And it's brought out a bunch of sort of like white supremacists and also just like plain old like white apologists wanting things to be apolitical out of the woodwork um, to the extent that there's like now a movement of people leaving Ravelry. I don't know if Amy, you've seen these. I was trying to find a few of them, but there's like a, there's like people trying to Either there were like forums that already exist that they're trying to like recruit people who are leaving Ravelry or there's this new website called unraveled.com, which as far as I can tell, I think actually pops up the same week. I think like the Tuesday after because the oldest post I could find on there was June 25th. Um, Yeah. Oh, no. Unraveled.com. Excuse me. Uh, and it's basically, yeah, it's basically trying to recreate Ravelry. I, I, for other, I don't, I don't understand. I mean, yeah, based, based off of what I've seen of like, at least people's photos, uh, it's, it's, it's the opposite of diverse. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know, Amy, like, what's your take on this whole thing? And like, cause I'm not super active on the Ravelry forums, actually kind of because of these reasons, like it's often like many forums. Kind of a shit show. Yeah, I I don't use the forums a whole lot either, other than like help with this pattern that I'm working on and having a problem right. with or, or, you know, finding new things. And I'm, you know, compared to you, I'm a I'm a very new knitter. I started knitting at the beginning of 2018. And mm-hmm. I joined Ravelry then. So like I missed I missed the whole pussy hat thing and and everything. Um but I've I've been seeing all this stuff this year and you know, I really didn't put it together until you just said it, but everything that was going on, I think it was maybe back it was back in the winter sometime about yeah. lifting lifting up um designers of of color and LGBTQ and disabled and all of that. And there was so much backlash about that as well. Um, Yeah, pretty much every time. And I think that's why this maybe hit the news is because like 
Everyone thinks of like sewing and knitting people as a bunch of nice little old ladies. I used to work at a Joanne's. I can tell you that that is gross but characterization. I've had thread thrown at me. It's beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think there was something about this image of like everyone assumes like, oh, this is the last group of people that would like have a significant contingent of white supremacists or like hate speech. Yeah. Because everyone looks at like, I mean, speaking of like another sort of branch of geekdom that I'm part of is like when people say that about video gamers, which is a predominantly white male space in a lot of in a lot of cases, no one's surprised. And actually, most of the forums I know that have bands similar to this one are like gamer and tech forums. And those don't seem to surprise people. And I think part of it is it's a feat like it's it's something about like I don't know if it's because of the craft like the associations people have with crafting or the fact that like crafting in general and knitting in particular is overwhelmingly I mean, female. I I'm not sure about why people assume this, but I think in general people assume that women, even white women, are automatically going to sympathize with marginalized groups because women also have not always had the greatest time but if you look at history and even yeah i know yeah but if you look at also like what's happening now i mean (laughs) white women get a lot out of aligning with white supremacy i mean like look at cindy hyde smith senator from mississippi the worst i mean like Right. You know, like, like, just look at, like, <laughs> examples of people and you'll see women betraying other women, like throwing other groups of people under the bus. And it's like a common thing and right. we just need to accept it. And I think it's a lot of, like, again, speaking as a straight white lady, like, I think a lot of it, a lot of the backlash I've seen in like the knitting and crafting communities is people not wanting to have to do the work of like thinking about the ways that their hobby like has has been participating in this culture of like racism and homophobia and grossness um despite the fact that like it's not just that people like i think the thing for for me and i think that why this became such a big deal is like somebody was actually like multiple people have been like not just harassed on a forum but also in real life um in ways that like threaten not like their mental and like physical safety um which is like so upsetting to hear about coming from a bloody knitting website. <laughs> like, and people were caught that, that I think uh, I find really interesting is like, people go like, Oh, this is an apolitical space. And like, why does Ravelry matter anyway? And it's like, this matters because a bunch of white supremacists apparently think that this specific space matters enough to go and dox people through it. Um, and I would be willing to bet part of that is because People do have this association with crafting that it's apolitical and like a bunch of like ladies baking cookies and knitting, you know, sweaters, which like is not entirely wrong. Um, but it, ma- it makes it way easier for basically hate speech and like people being gross to like pass below the public radar in a way that actually gets prosecuted. I mean, for this has been also going on for years before Ravelry has done this ban. So this is not new. This is also not just like a fact of the Trump administration either. Mm-hmm. One thing that I want to make sure we touch upon is when I talked about the idea of, of what a political even means, but I think for some people, maybe we do have a desire for something truly apolitical. And I'm thinking one of our listeners commented, and Amy, you mostly use Ravelry for help with knitting like it's not your I I know Amy well enough I mean she's on the show I know her well enough to know that she's not apolitical but if you're going to the website you're going there because 
how do I stitch this? Like, that's literally what, what you, what you want to know. So mm-hmm. to, to some respect, there is a, a sense where I want to have somewhere I can go for help where I don't have to be, where I don't have to care that I'm liberal and be attacked. And I don't have to care that I'm conservative and be attacked. So it is sort of for some people who might just want that help. I understand how there could be some legitimate annoyance of why are you taking political sides? I'm trying to, I'm trying to avoid all that. That's why I'm knitting in the first place. And the only answer I can think of is, well, then you joined the wrong website because I associate rivalry with liberalness from the very beginning. They had the fucking pussy hat push last year. But even so, that's that's not everything because a politicalness isn't like some sort of neutrality. Right. Really, it's you are taking a side in some ways by not taking a side. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it would be nice if the world wasn't terrible and we didn't have white supremacists, right? Or any of these other problems, but we do. So if you like, you can't just like not be a dick sometimes as I can try and convince people not be a dick. Sometimes you have to stand up to the dicks and be like active allies to people and like think about your own privilege or your part Mm -hmm. of the problem. Like, uh, and also I think a lot of people, and we've said this before, associate politics with very specific people are in very specific contexts, but like knitting has and crafting. And I am not going to talk about this because uh, I'm sure Amy and Katya can like knitting, <laughs> crafting, like just the act of doing it has a sort of politics, right? Like there's a history behind knitting. Yeah. And this is a thing I could go on for days. So <laughs> please stop me at some point. Um, but like, I mean, I guess it, that was part of the reason why I was kind of surprised that people were going like, Oh, but knitting is apolitical. Why are you politicizing knitting? Is it's like, well, First of all, Ravelry never claimed to be a politically neutral site. And if you've been on there a long time, you know, I mean, as Mav mentioned, like routinely, or not routinely, but like when politics comes up in a way that's relevant to the site, like Ravelry will often talk about their own views. And I mean, I think that's because like, like I mentioned, like their terms of service specifically says like in the eyes of Ravelry's owners. So I'm assuming that they, I mean, they have no problem talking about their own politics because or their personal beliefs about what is and isn't acceptable because that's part of their terms of service, essentially. Um, but like, yeah, knitting has been political. Uh, making is political. Like, I mean, remember when I was first getting into knitting as a kid, um, mainly because I'm a fidgety pain in the butt, uh, like reading about like the history of knitting because a lot of a lot of nerdy knitting books have things like that in there. And that actually, I believe it was in Ireland. Um, Back in the day when knitting was a thing that like you could only make things by hand knitting. So like all the sweaters in Ireland were hand knit. Um, Women were actually forbidden from selling their knitting because you had to be a member of the guild and only men could join the guild. So basically they because they didn't essentially preventing women from being financially independent from men. And so it was a big deal when women there was actually like a black market for women knitted sweaters, which is so weird to me. <laughs> I've got to believe that there's still a black market for that somewhere. Like on the, I, oh, I want, I, I want to go into the, on the dark net and just see people like, he's like, I've got socks. I've got socks two for one. Just don't tell anybody. Dude, actually I bet search on the dark web for Icelandic sweaters, because like that is still a thing in Iceland. There is actually, I've been to the guild headquarters in Iceland because I'm that person. Yeah, of course you have. Um, Oh yeah, I. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh no, I was actually going to say Iceland would be the place where the. I also appreciate a country that has really nice yarn in gas stations. I I'm like this is this is my country. Sheep wander freely. 
And there is alpaca yarn in a gas station that I purchased and own a scarf made out of. I was in heaven. Um, awesome. But yeah, so there's like guilds because like knitting and making and sewing and all this kind of stuff like historically has been like a hugely important industry for marginalized populations, specifically for women, honestly. Um, because like basically after prostitution, the oldest profession women could practice and make an independent living was making things like clothes. I mean, there's a reason the term spinster alludes to a spinning wheel. Also fun fact, well, not really fun. Uh, in Mayhew, um, the 19th century journalist, like London poor, um, like he's like chronicles of the London poor. He like talks about like jobs that women had to hold um, in addition to being prostitutes. And one of them is seamstress. And like in the 19th century novels, like if you're referred to as a seamstress, sometimes that means you're a prostitute. Right. Um, and even like, I mean, sewing and knitting were also an important way of like class mobility. Like originally a lot of women would, in order to pass as a class higher than themselves and sometimes get access to basically back in the day when you could only, you know, marry into, you know, your class mobility, being able to sew. I mean, you even actually see a little bit of this in some Jane Austen novels, like being able to like embellish your dresses or make your own bonnets was like important because you could, you could catch a man. I mean, even women like factory girls in the twenties, like would make their own clothes. And it was a, like, it was a huge political statement. I mean, even like, like we've talked about the show before, like flapper fashion, like flapper fashion emerged as a political state, like emerged as like a political uh, style for women who wanted to assert their independence and the fact that they could support themselves financially, like on their own. Um, so all of this stuff, like clothing, making all of it's political, even if it's not political for you. And even just like the fact that crafting now is for most people that practice it a hobby rather than a necessity isn't of itself political because there are still places uh, and people for whom it's not a hobby. Like even, I mean, I'm thinking like my own personal experience, like my mom and my grandmother learned to sew because otherwise there would be no clothes because they wouldn't have the money to buy stuff at the department store or whatever. Just to jump in briefly, it's, this actually happens a lot the way it's, it's you know, this is a pop culture show. So we'll talk about the history of pop culture briefly. But hobbies often become things that are adopted from necessities from classes below you. So knitting being mm-hmm. one of them, or actually, I should say clothing making in general being one of being one of them. Certainly, there's, you know, there is a whole history of lower class people, working class people from hundreds of years ago through today who sew in order to be able to, you know, provide clothing for themselves Um, to an extent, Mm -hmm. also cooking, baking, and to pick something more classically coded as male hunting, hunting to this day for many, many poor families in um, certain locations. It's a necessity. You know, there's no whole Foods sitting in the middle of Appalachia. You know, you know, people go out and they shoot a deer and then they eat that for the winter. And then it becomes a, you know, ha, I'm going to sit upon my horse and ride after this fox for reasons, you know, like that, that happens a lot. And the fact that that's even that possible. It doesn't mean that like a hobby is not wrong. 
It just means it also has like it has a class history. And the fact that happens at all is a political um, it's a that, not a political statement, but it's a, a political reality. There is politics in that mm-hmm. being able to happen and there's politics in being able to ignore it. And that's called privilege to the extent that and sometimes and sometimes, by the way, this is privilege in a way that uh, liberals don't see just to make sure people uh, understand. For instance, uh, one of the most classic ones is there is you know certainly the idea of being vegetarian or vegan is more associated with what we currently consider you know left rather than right. However, people don't understand. People often don't understand that there are very real people where vegetarianism is not it's not a reasonable reality because you have to eat the meat that you can kill. Like that's, <laughs> that's how it works. And yeah. Or you live in a food desert where like produce is unavailable or it's wicked expensive. Yeah. You can't have a balanced diet right. without the ability to just kind of eat McDonald's. Like those are, those are real problems. Or you have a medical condition that makes that mm-hmm. impossible. So those things exist. And I think one of the things that becomes interesting, because you're talking about, you, you've talked a lot about how it's really about the rivalries owners are making these decisions. And one of the things that I yeah. find interesting, and this is where it becomes weird, because people talk about this as though it is censorship. And when whenever censorship comes up, um, I, I see I hear two things that happen. Typically, at least on the Internet, a lot of times it is political correctness and censorship are, are trying. It's, it's the war against the against the Christians. Yeah. It's the war against the right. It's the war against whatever. Fuck you. Um, but yeah, <laughs> you'll hear stuff like that. And and they say, this is censorship. This is censorship. This is censorship. And then everybody on the left says, this is not censorship. Only the government can censor. You're both wrong. OK, first off, <laughs> it is censorship. However, the con- I mean, because anybody who says this is not censorship because they're not the government, they're wrong. That's not what censorship means. Yes, rivalry is absolutely censoring you. However, they mm-hmm. absolutely have mm-hmm. the right to censor you. It is a private website, much like this much like this podcast does not have to give a platform to conservative people. Um, We have on occasion, but we don't have to. And, and they rivalries under no obligation to do that. And I know it seems like they kind of should be because you want to think of it as a public sphere, but public spheres are not necessarily forced to not have an ideological message. They've chosen to have this one. And that is, that is the right of the owners. Um, Much like, I cannot go to a Christian press and demand that they publish my Jewish Torah study. Like that's not, that's not something right. that happens or that they publish my atheist manifesto. That's not you, you know, your entire mission statement is to promote Christianity. That doesn't mean I can't publish my Jewish or my atheist thing somewhere else. It just means that the Christian press is not forced to do that. And Ravelry, despite their leaning, I mean, despite their purpose being about uh about crafting and knitting they are a website with a liberal message you know any more so than it would be you know you can't force fox news to have you know to give voices to liberals and you shouldn't be able to that's not what you're there for i would would also just add you know also some people just don't deserve a forum and they shouldn't have a forum (laughs) no like seriously like uh like when the incel thing became big on the internet i read i read some of those forums and 
you know, there was tons of threats of violence against women. There were people chronicling violence they had done against, like, it was, it was really scary. I don't deserve, I don't have to give those people a platform. They don't deserve a platform. In fact, like, allowing people to have, like, have platforms sometimes leads to more violence and Mm -hmm. more hate speech. So why would we want to encourage that? It's actually arguably the more responsible thing to do to tell people to go away. Well, or I, and aside from platform. that, like, I mean, if you really, really believe in your incel right. message or your, or your, like, I don't have a problem with whatever you called, you know, Trump MAGA ravelry uh, unraveled or whatever it is. Like, if they want to do that, go for it. Like, no one's forcing, no one's forcing anyone to join that. And, you know, they're stupid, but. <laughs> well, this, this is where I think it starts becoming complicated. I think is like going back to the question of what a pu- like what counts as a public sphere, and maybe like I think the le- like we're not probably going to get into like the legal particularities of that future episode. <laughs> maybe blow your friend, hit us up. Uh, but I mean, yeah, I think Mav, the issue you brought up is like the way that the internet tends to like misconstrue what the U.S. is First Amendment rights, mm-hmm. right? Because like the First Amendment right, people always just use shorthand as like freedom of speech. Freedom of speech is not what you think it is. Uh, you do not know what those words mean. Was it the Indigo Montoya thing? Oh no, um, you do not. No, it's not Indigo. It's um, it's Vicini, and it's um, you keep using that word. I do not think it means what you think it means. Yes, that's what it is. Um, thank you. I helped, but because, because like the First Amendment is basically only for, for uh, referencing that the government cannot regulate speech. Yes. And specifically, and it's actually not even that the government actually can't regulate speech entirely. It's basically that I actually have it written down in my notes. Shall make no laws respecting the establishment of a religion uh, or prohibit the free exchange of extreme, the free exercise thereof or abridge the freedom of speech of, uh, or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble and petition the government for redress of grievances. So it basically says, like, the government cannot do X, Y, and Z. Ravelry is a private business. Do whatever and, like, the fuck they want to. Absolutely. Right. And frankly, like, what basically, from my understanding, a lot of this probably, I mean, I don't have, I was not able to uh, get in contact with the, like, the actual owners of Ravelry, but from what I do know about Ravelry is run by a team of less than 10 people. They, I would be very surprised if they have the infrastructure to basically separate what is acceptable conservative speech, conservative political speech from unacceptable conservative political speech. Um, and the vast, and like if the users reporting right wing projects or speech vastly outnumbers people reporting more left leaning political speech, like even aside from their own political views, like it makes as a business, I'm sure there's a calculation of like, well, the majority of our audience is X and doesn't like Y. We want the people who don't like X or like we, we, want, the, we, want, we want X to stay. We're sort of OK with Y going like as a business choice. The point where I think it becomes complicated, I'm interested to know what the non-knitters and Amy, what you think about this is Ravelry is probably so Ravelry is where a lot of I get a lot of my patterns from. I buy PDF patterns um, mostly and I almost always buy them through Ravelry because it's easy to find them and it's and they're like reviewed and you can find like the pattern like mistakes and stuff in there so it's great um because most of the knitting net is on Ravelry 8 million people I would be willing to bet that if you are a designer who cannot get your pattern on Ravelry it is extremely difficult to make any money off of that pattern yes it probably I I imagine it probably is I imagine it and that's the issue because 
Yes, they are controlling. This, this comes up on other social media sites. It comes up on Facebook and Twitter a lot, right? Point when, when, um, Glenn Beck and a bunch of other people got bounced from all their social media is this is, right. or Alex Jones rather, not Glenn Beck. I'm sorry. When Alex Jones got bounced from all the social media is this is you making an active stance to prohibit me from doing business. And he's right. It was. And. Facebook and Twitter essentially gave him the legal answer of tough shit. I mean, that's <laughs> that's it. Right. Because they're not right. obligated to support his ability to pursue to promote hate. Uh, like mark, promote, right. promote his business. business. Yeah. Like regardless yeah, they, of its content. They chose, and it's weird because now this is where it gets like bizarre because right now things like Facebook, the tech companies are uh, that like Facebook, um, Twitter and Ravelry, though it's much smaller. I mean, it's still huge, but it's much smaller in scale than, yeah, you know, than Facebook or Twitter is. Um, they are not, you know, they're, they're much more like publishing platforms. Yeah. And they actually technically are content publishing programs. Right. And that's that's what they claim as a business sense from a legal standpoint. It's why it's why Facebook always says we're not responsible for the white supremacists here. We'll do our best, but we're not responsible for them. And Ravelry's taking. Yeah, because we yeah, we we produce the platform, not the content, although there's a lot to be said about how platforms are ideological. But but that's where it becomes weird, because Ravelry though smaller is effectively taking the stance here that we will be responsible. And I know that's not their purpose. Their purpose is to protect their user base. But by making that stance, they Mm -hmm. are taking a, they're taking a moral stance of we are going to be responsible. We don't want this sort of thing. We specifically are calling out the president of the United States of America as someone that we do not support the ideology of and do not want promoted on our platform. That's a, that's a political stance Mm -hmm. that sort of places them weird Especially when you look it up, when you look at Facebook's not really a publishing platform. Yes, I get that they claim that. Nor is Twitter. And this is um, this is an Elizabeth Warren platform. But they both at this point effectively operate as news outlets for a lot of people. And it, there's, it's arguable. It's arguable. And this is, again, Elizabeth Warren has argued this, that they are a utility, that the way Facebook yeah. operates, and I know, I know that not everybody's on Facebook. A lot of people will leave it out of spite. Younger people tend not to be on it. But effectively, in order to run a business in the United States of America today, and frankly, in many other countries, if you want to have a business, you have to have a Facebook page and you probably have to have a Twitter stream. It's, it's unreasonable to, to have a company that doesn't at least have, you know, have a presence because people will go there just to find out where you are. So if Facebook takes that stance, you are hurting it. And even if you don't have to have one, it's a really important source of like free or very inexpensive advertising. Yes. Yeah. It's so realistically, it's kind of important. So if I am, if I am, you know, the foremost MAGA hat, um, you know, knitting designer on the internet, then yes, Ravelry is taking away an important part of my business structure. Now, the question is, where is that line of where you start behaving like utility versus where you like? So the electric company cannot just decide they're they're, they're not serving white supremacists. They're not allowed to. You cannot turn the gas off because I don't like your politics because I, because you support it. So, so at what point do you become that? And I think Ravelry is small enough that I'm willing to say they're not that except that what you just said, they are super important in the knitting community. If, If that's, if this is your livelihood, if your livelihood is selling patterns, 
patterns and you want to sell patterns to, you know, white supremacists, how do you do it now? Apparently you go to our unraveling or unraveling. Or you go with Hannah's thing of maybe we can just decide that you're not worth making a living. <laughs> but, well, that's a, you, but that's a weird stance to take. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think like people that, yeah, there's alternative platforms and like Facebook groups and all kinds of stuff popping up for people who are leaving. Although like I wasn't able to find numbers on like how many people are actually leaving Ravelry because I would imagine only Ravelry really has those numbers. And I don't think they really care to be perfectly honest. Um, it's also from, harder because probably, probably the people leaving a louder voice than they actually are. Yeah. I mean, it's like hard, I mean this is another no. thing is it's hard to gauge that. I mean, it's hard to gauge that in a lot of online communities because like, I mean, this has been my experience of trying to reconstruct this, like because of my particular social media like I was already following a lot of the people who were already involved in this um, on like the more left leaning, like activist side, because that's the people I follow and like the knitting that I'm interested in and the people who show up on my Instagram. And so to me, those people sound a heck of a lot louder. And like that community of people saying like, yeah, this is a bunch of white supremacists like garbage and this is not OK, is a lot louder because that's the universe. Like that's what the algorithm shows me. Sure, sure. Um, I would be willing to bet to a lot of other people it does not seem that way. Mm -hmm. And based on the like what especially like uh, POC and LGBTQ knitters are saying, like that's not really their experience either. Mm -hmm. um, because trolls like basically seek them out. Right. Um, so it's really, yeah, it's hard to gauge. I think one thing I wanted to loop back around is like the idea of the utility because I think that's why, like I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, um, like the memes going around that like Ravelry is doing what Facebook and Twitter are afraid to by kicking out the white supremacists and the Trump supporters. And I like as, as a knitter who like generally, like is generally in favor of like Ravel, like Ravelry's decision. Um, like I find that like very endearing, attractive, but on the other hand, not really the same thing. A, no, <laughs> yeah. because partially because to me, like I think this was probably largely a pragmatic decision of they are a office of less than ten people. They do not have the ability to go through at, like flagged posts and stuff all the time. Nor do they probably want to, and it's their decision not to. But both Facebook and Twitter, whatever they say about being a platform, like a like a con uh, publishing platform are trying to basically be the internet's public square. Mm -hmm. They want to be a place where people exchange ideas. They want to be a place for debate because that's how people get drawn in. Like I'm sure Twitter loves when there are Twitter feuds because that draws more people to Twitter. Ravelry is not that. Like Amy was saying, like most of us go on there to find knitting patterns and answer knitting questions. And even the fact that like, in, like really you're not going to be a member unless you are a knitter means that to me, it's like, this is more like a online knitting group slash yarn store than it is, you know, the public square of me like picketing outside of town hall. Mm -hmm. Except for when they take a stance like this, it suddenly feels like it. And, and, and it's, I mean, it's a weird nebulous space. I don't think it's an either or proposition, right? Yeah. I don't think that you have to say this is political or apolitical. I think we like to pretend that binaries exist like that, but they don't, you know, they just, they just don't. Is, is Ravelry political? You know, sometimes <laughs> that's the answer. Like, like, are you, are you knitting a pussy hat or are you knitting a blue sock? I'm knitting a really great navy blue sweater. It's quite lovely. By the way, Amy, what are you knitting? Uh, I'm knitting, I'm knitting a sock and I'm knitting it for my um, somewhat ungrateful teenager. But it's a really cool yarn that that starts out like orange and then goes through red and into gray, like like it's kind of like um, on fire and burning I like up. It. 
I'll have to friend you on Ravelry and then you can see it. I know. I actually like never post my... See, this is actually the thing. I actually like rekindled my interest in Ravelry after this because I'm just like, I haven't been super active in the online knitting world. And I'm like, oh, like you need white people to like do things. Great. I can do that. Um, Because that's been actually the, the saddest thing is that like the amount of people that through no... I mean, the thing that I think I find the most like pisses me off that people say in like, well, we want this place to be apolitical. And I think this goes back to Mav, like the the comment, the, the listener comment that you read. It's like, it, okay, I very rarely, and maybe it's because it's just like, I'm not on the Ravelry forums very often. It's mostly white people talking about politics. Um, and I think probably because other than activists who are like actively drawing attention to, to basically that fact. But most of it is people having their existence and their identities politicized by other people on a place that they would probably like to experience as apolitical. Like the fact that, I mean, just for example, like the knitting counts are deactivated for like violating terms of service, which they did not. Cause like I follow, like, you know, I go through those accounts, like, no, they want to share their really cool sock that they made or like, Hey, I dyed some really awesome yarn. Would you like some? They don't want like most of those accounts, like other than the fact that they're like responding to discrimination and persecution and harassment, I'm sure they would love not to talk about politics. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> it's hard to say. I mean, I, I obviously I'm not there, but I think that in general, it's cert that's certainly true of social media. Like on other platforms, you know, this week as we record, we had an issue where people were um, talking about this is a huge argument on my personal Facebook, not on on, but they were talking about people, um, whether or not people were outraged about the Black Little Mermaid and (laughs) um, the Little Mermaid was yeah, and I had a person (sighs) arguing with me at length that this is just a liberal conspiracy to drum up sales because nobody is actually complaining about this. Meanwhile, I'm watching people. <laughs> oh no, people are absolutely right. She's like, well, complaining no, those about are, this. Those are all those are all Russian bots that I'm like that's it, that, that Disney hires and I'm like, "No, no, these are people that I've known for 20 years. These are I assure you I know they're real and I know them well enough to know that this is a this is a completely true and racist feeling that they are having. I was going to say, clearly this person has not well, been on Reddit. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to give this person press on this show, but um, um, she would say she knows everything and, and she's, and she's a big MAGA supporter and everything from her perspective, everything is just, you know, the deep state out to, out to ruin Donald Trump. So, you know, again, but is it Donald Trump, the leader of the deep no, state? No, no, no. Deep state is, is the, is the secret liberal, um, Illuminati that is, you know, trying to undermine the president. Right. So. Headed by Elizabeth Warren. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or like aliens. Probably aliens. Uh, secret netters, you know. <laughs> but. I know. It's netters. Although I do know, fun fact, people have been killed with knitting needles before. That's good. Is it, I mean, is it still on the TSA um, list of things you're not allowed to bring on? I did get, uh, it was for a time. Um, I did get glared at. I was knitting on a plane last year and I did have a uh, middle-aged man glaring at me for knitting no. on a plane. Really I, apparently look like I look very threatening. Yeah, I mean, uh, they look very threatening with my little knitting needles. So, you know. Yeah, I had jury duty earlier this year and I could not bring knitting into the courthouse. <sighs> Man, here's the thing, though. I use knitting to, like, not get bored and or annoyed because I have I have very fidgety. I am not good at sitting still for, like, more than an hour. So 
like knitting. Knitting is an important, like I literally learned how to knit so that I could learn how to knit well enough to knit while I read so I could get through my textbooks in high school. <laughs> like this is what got me through college uh, and presumably to grad school. Thank you, knitting. Maybe not thank you. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, well, I don't know. Um, any other anything else that goes on with this? It, it's a weird thing because we haven't even talked about the idea of, you know, what about the people who actively are making political statements? I mean, I like I would like to talk a little bit about things like and I don't know, like I'm using the, the pussy hat thing because it's the one that got the most press. But I imagine there are lots of you know other other than just the pussy hat pattern there are other things on ravelry that have a liberal political agenda and you know and yes they're yeah. fine i mean there was a lot of like i remember like with the obama election i remember seeing like some scarves with like the yes we can and like the obama logos i mean that's the thing is like actually i don't see tons of them um i think what when people associate politics with their knitting, it's like, again, sorry to go, keep going back to that comment, but I think it's a really good uh, summation of a lot of the issues is it's like people associating their personal identity with their craft because like, well, for example, like I remember following years ago, a uh, queer guy who was knitting because he taught himself how to knit because basically like clothes for straight dudes. We're not doing it. Yeah, for him. Well, I was going to say, I've, I've absolutely seen patterns for rainbow scarves for pride scarves. Right. Oh yeah. I guess, I guess to be like pride is just like, I mean, it is a political thing, but like, I don't know, but like, I, I think that's where it becomes like, or a lot of people, it becomes a political statement in that they're saying like, I am not represented in X, Y, and Z community. I'm now going to make things so that I am represented by at least what I make. So a lot of it's like, especially like when it comes to like things like size inclusivity, people making like, I want to be able to wear like booty shorts or whatever, even though the companies basically won't make them above a size four um, or whatever. Or like, I'm told that I'm not allowed to wear X because I am Y shape color, like whatever. And I think people don't always necessarily see, and this is, we talked about this a little, we should, we'll have to do a show specifically on this. People don't always necessarily see fashion as a political statement, um, particularly those who are going to fit into the more normative body types. Whereas the, right. I mean, what you just said specifically, yes, if I want, if I am a size 27 and I want booty shorts, you probably got to make them yourself. Right. And like, even, I mean, the, the, this is a whole nother episode. Cause that's actually a lot of why I originally got into sewing as well. Um, and it's why a lot of people I know get into sewing um, or knitting or whatever it is, is. And I think that's also why I would imagine that's part of why Ravelry took this stance. It's like they know that a huge amount of their users, because Ravelry users, there are definitely older people on Ravelry, but like Ravelry in general, I think skews more like middle aged to mm -hmm. young just because it's an online such site and things like that. Um, definitely not like entirely, but I think as far as as far as like representative in the knitting community. Um, and I think that they know that that's why like a massive amount of their users are on there. So like the fact that people don't feel safe posting pictures of themselves um, with their projects is, I'm sure, both personally and from a business perspective of big concern to mm -hmm. them. I, I mean, it's weird. It's I understand the backlash against it. And obviously, again, it's not very hard to guess where the politics of our show lie. But, you know, so part of me says tough shit. But I do also think that it is an interesting thing to look at because as I mean, this isn't a show about comic books, we are a show about pop culture analysis and this is absolutely pop culture that we are looking at that we are living with right now. Knit knitting is 
niche, but popular and has been for far longer than comic books have been around or movies or music. Well, not music. Music's been around longer than knitting. <laughs> but, but, you know, there, but there's, I think there's a. No, sounds like anthropologists would come out of the woodwork and be like, actually. <laughs> oh. I mean, no, like there's, there's like, I remember like reading about the history of knitting. There's like artifacts of knitting, like in some of the oldest like Egyptian mm-hmm. tombs in like Mesopotamia. There's like, like, I'm pretty sure that like someplace, I think it's one of the British museums actually has had an exhibit of knitting needles that they, they're pretty sure are made out of human yes. bones. Yeah. I, like that they're like, we, they're like, they're not prehistoric or some shit, but like when there's knitting needles made of dinosaur bones, then I will freak out. How many knitting needles do you have made of human bones? You can, you can, you can admit it. No, I can't because, I have to tell you because that's, that's, that's part of the coven, the knitting coven. Um, but yeah, so does this mean so does this mean we're gonna do like a fashion episode about the politics of fashion and sewing? I, I yes. would like to. <laughs> Great, cool. Because I'm now totally using this as an excuse to like bring all of my hobbies onto the show. <laughs> so we've resolved nothing except that Katya is just going to keep having things about her hobbies on the show. Um, isn't that what we all do? Yeah, um, that's I mean, the show. Is. That was the entire point. That's where we came from. <laughs> I think mine are, mine are just like slightly more like niche compared to some of the other ones. I mean, actually, I was surprised with how many people commented on this post. I was not expecting to get as much interest as we got. Um, and I definitely like if there's other people who are like crafting other crafts or like craft adjacent want to talk about either this um, or other things going on, I would be like totally down. So people suggest topics. Come be on our show. I need someone else that knows about this stuff to talk to besides I love Bab and Hannah, but, um, and it's also really interesting to see, like, I mean, I was like kind of surprised Mav. I mean, I, like you are a giant pop culture nerd, but like even the fact that you were like, what, this is on the Twitter. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Crafting is a weird political thing and it's a weird social thing. And, and we should talk about pottery yeah. next anyway. Yeah, what, what? Yeah, I want to hear yeah, about pottery. Now, now you know I've my never done it. It's that's just, that's too hard. Uh, Amy, thank you for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> We're devolving into just like planning other future shows. Thanks for coming on again. Sure, thank you for having me. It's fun. I and I and I actually did learn some stuff. Um, and, and I know the answer to this question. Yay. So, Amy, if people want to follow you, how would they do that? Well, I am Tartan Peacock on Ravelry. Ah, there you go. And this would be the first time we have all. Well, we're not going to have all Ravelry plugs in the in the show notes because I. I mean, you guys could actually. Fun fact: you cannot currently get yeah. an account. They have closed um, new accounts until further notice. Yeah, I think. Further notice. Mm-hmm. But uh, because trolls have been trying to get on, which again is why, and that's we, we might have to do an episode one day on safe spaces because at. Oh, because yeah, there is the reason they're doing this. Yeah, I can't join Ravelry right now with good reason. I mean, now because I'd only want to join just to watch because, you know, I'm, you know, I am a cultural scientist and I need to like be, be aware of everything going on. Mm-hmm. But but my need to study does not does not um, override people's need to be safe. And right now people aren't safe there. And that's right. important. It really is important. Yeah. So Did we just have a mid credits discussion. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, we did. <laughs> Hannah, where can people find you? Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Hanley Rogers, where you can hear fun things about my writing process, like how I put footnotes in my dissertation about how I'm mad about TV, relate them to the Victorian period, and then delete them before sending it to my committee. So we're going to have a compilation of those, <laughs> presumably, provided on the show at some uh, point, right? Josh told me it was best for everyone. They didn't see the light of day. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Oh god. Okay, great. Uh, Katia. Well, as always, you can find me at just that nerdkid on uh, the Instagram, but also on the Ravelry um, if you are a knitter. And I also want to say because this is something that I mean that has been going around the internet. Um, and actually, on Ravelry is if you are if this is a thing that you are concerned about as a knitter um, or a crafter, like please donate money to not to Ravelry. They've actually specifically asked not to, um, but donate money to your local LGBTQ POC nonprofits um, and support POC and queer and disabled and just like other minority identifying makers and crafters and designers um, because that's actually the most concrete way to sort of make um, make those communities feel included. And that's the thing. We Absolutely. Like. And you can follow me on Twitter, not on Ravelry, but on Twitter at Chris Maverick. You can follow. You are so good at getting an account with it. I, 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 I would love one. I mean, again, I don't. <laughs> I actually do know how to crochet, but, but there but, are crocheters. Yeah, I know. I haven't I haven't done it since I was a kid. They're but also should, called hookers. Yeah. Uh, well, which I feel like Mav is a very Mav thing. I, yeah, I discuss my personal life on. Um, <laughs> actually, I, I was going to say, if you were a crocheter, you would refer to yourself as a hooker. Yeah. So, well, um, I, I mean, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I, I wouldn't say I was a crochet. I am a crocheter now. My grandmother taught me when I was much much younger, so I haven't done it in decades. But but I used to. I used to know how to crochet, so I probably could figure it out again i'm sure if the muscle memory is still there um but you can follow me on twitter at chris maverick you can follow my personal blog at www.chrismaverick.com you can follow the show on twitter or instagram at vox popcast or on facebook at www.facebook.com slash vox popcast or you can follow the show's blog at www.voxpopcast.com where we announce upcoming topics and we let you leave comments that we can address on the show as we just did and we appreciate everybody who commented there because that really does help us think about what we want to talk about if you are a fan of the show please subscribe to us on itunes or stitcher or spotify or wherever the hell else you get podcasts from and if you don't mind please leave us a five-star review if you give us five stars and write a little something something that helps other people find the show and find about you know interesting topics that we might talk about like knitting which you wouldn't necessarily associate with our show right away so that every little bit like that helps but you should you should I'm here. absolutely <laughs> uh, I would like to thank you at home for listening I would like to thank Maximilian of Thoughtform Music for our epic theme song building ever so more epically and playing us out Amy thanks again for joining us on thank you and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. The bloody hell was that? All right, everyone. Go back to your knitting. Good. This is going to be uncomfortable enough, though. All you nosy suds listening in. <laughs> <laughs>